Remember that little phrase because I'll be using it time to time throughout this year. You were made for more. God has plans for you. And whatever your life may consist of right now, God created you to be magnificent beyond your ability to understand it or comprehend it. Elevation is in, as it were, to use an old expression, the cards for you. And elevation is meant to take place in your life. It's what God has destined you to experience. We read that in the book of Ephesians. One problem that people sometimes have in understanding their need to exercise spiritual authority, which I have in this series presented as an important component of experiencing the elevation, one problem that people have in understanding their need to, to exercise this is the difficulty that some people have in actually accepting the fact that somewhere out there, there's an enemy who's plotting against them who wants to do them genuine harm. That, in the minds of some people, seems to be inconceivable. That there could actually be a malignant, malevolent, malevolent force who genuinely wants to bring pain to your life. And the question is, why? I haven't done anybody any harm, any wrong. And the reason that I, I need to point this out is because though God has plans for your life, the enemy has purposely set about to circumvent those, see they become aborted before they ever come to fruition, and try to rob you of everything that God has purposed to have take place in your life for good. We know this because Jesus said the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's not talking to people that have done something to upset the enemy. The enemy had this plan in, for the human race before the persons Jesus were was, uh, was addressing that day had ever been born. It's kind of like the old joke about the guy who went down to the post office and he saw a fellow standing there uh, kind of a pot-bellied, middle-aged fellow, bald-headed, and this guy had a stack of envelopes that were that were that were pink, bright pink, with hearts all over them. And he took out a bottle of perfume while the guy who had just come into the post office was watching, and he started spraying them with expensive perfume. And he, then he started. Um, he, the fellow goes up to him and he, and he asks what he's doing. Is the guy sealing the envelopes? And the man replied, "I'm sending out one thousand I love you cards." Signed, guess who? And the, the fellow that had just walked in the post office asked, but why would you do that? The guy answered, I'm a divorce attorney. <laughs> Think about it. Amen. So one of those shows up in your post office box, and the little lady or the <laughs> wants to know what is going on. It's hard to believe that people could be that malevolent, that vicious, that mean, that malignant, purposely toward one another. And then to conceptualize beyond that, that there could be an enemy that is actively striving to do you harm, sometimes in the believer's community creates a stumbling block because we say, I haven't done anybody any wrong. If I just do the right thing, won't life turn out well? Not if you don't exercise spiritual authority in your life because you have to, you have to proactively say that whatever the plans, and I, not just say it, I'm not just talking about words, but you have to proactively take control of your life, and say by doing so that I am not going to allow myself to be robbed of my destiny. I'm not. Last week I pointed out that there are 12 types of secular authority that we commonly see people use, and I pointed out that there's an aspect of each one of these in spiritual authority except for one, and that 
exception is coercive authority. You will not find that used in true spiritual authority. Yet sadly, as I pointed out, one of the major obstacles the enemy has put between us and understanding true spiritual authority is that he gets us to define it as the bad experiences we've had when someone tried to use coercive authority and called that spiritual authority. And so we, 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 we throw up this block. We don't want to hear about spiritual authority. And the reason that he approaches it from this perspective is if he can keep us from understanding it, then he can go about his plans and all of the things he wants to do to cause us harm without being interrupted by someone who is discerning enough to see what's going on and takes the the acts or the steps necessary to stop him. Oftentimes, the th the type of authority, even in the secular realm, this is important for you to see that the the type of authority you see utilized in the secular dimension is a combination of several of those twelve that I mentioned last week. For example, the president of the United States of America has been delegated by voters to lead our nation. And that is to say he has delegated authority. He didn't just pick up a gun and, and move to Washington, D.C. and say, I'm, I'm taking over, this is a coup, and I'm going to lead this nation. Uh-uh, you and I put him in power. And whether you agree with whoever is, at the pres is the president at a particular time, you are raised in a part of a, and have become a part of a nation whose political process you have agreed to and that you cast your vote and hope that whoever your candidate is wins. And uh, sometimes uh, that person may win, sometimes it may, that person may not, but then we live with whatever the outcome of, the, of that election is, that is whatever the majority of our people in this United States of America have chosen to, uh, uh, the person is they have chosen to elect, we live with that. And we support that because there is incredible, um, there's, in, there's incredible power in that office. And it is an office that carries an enormous amount of respect. We don't always agree with even the things our presidential candidate, whichever party you may be persuaded to embrace, you will not always agree with everything your presidential candidate, candidate if he wins, will choose to do. Because there's no t such thing as two people who see everything eye to eye. So my point is, is that since you and I can't run everything in this country by ourselves, we elect somebody to do it on our behalf. And that's delegated authority. How did he get there? The reason I took the time to walk that out is because somewhere along the line, one or other of the candidates persuaded you that he had the answers. So he is operating not only in delegated authority, he's operating in persuasive authority. And he would never have gotten that far if he did not have charismatic authority. He's got to, you better know how to smile, baby. I tell you what, when you run for some of these offices, you understand what I'm saying. And that's just the way it is. And so right away, the presidential office is seen as being, com uh, the, the authority in which it functions is not only delegated, but it's persuasive. It's, it's as it were, charismatic and a whole number of other things. And so you, you might also say his appointment is legislated by our Constitution. Once we voted him in, then through legislated authority, the Congress and the Supreme Court and all of the other offices that come together 
on the day of inauguration have no choice but to enact the will of the people of this nation. So it's now grown from being delegated and uh, charismatic and, and, and also persuasive to being legislated. And we could keep on with this. And here's my point. The more of these different types of authority there are in the kind of authority being used, the more powerful that authority actually becomes. Authority that is of one singular type alone, is, that is singular in dimension, is the least effective kind of authority there is. Now, it's like this. Uh, when a doctor has a relationship with his patients and has obvious concern in a good, what they call, bedside manner, you know, that's more compelling to the patient than if he's just a good doctor and knows how to diagnose and treat an illness and write a prescription for ciproflaxin. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Or Avalide or Norvask or insulin. What I'm saying is the fact that he may be technically competent is not good enough in today's world. There needs to be another dimension added to this. You're going to choose a doctor you like, not just one that knows his stuff. Help me out just a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. And so, further, some types of authority are more compelling and more powerful than others. They're more impacting. They're not only different types of secular authority, but they impact at different levels. That means they have a greater capacity to cause good to be done or to prevent evil. For example, a police officer with a badge and a gun can be of greater value in preventing a heinous crime from being committed than can the criminal's aunt Sally, who happens to be very persuasive because she's a sales lady. Stay with me, okay? What I'm saying is that legislated authority he's got, at the end of the day, if somebody's coming at you with the intention of doing wrong, you'd rather this than Aunt Sally, his Aunt Sally, to come over and try to talk him out of it. If the only thing standing between you and physical harm is Aunt Sally's ability to persuade him to not do what he's intending to do, you're, you're in serious trouble. A brain surgeon, because he has technical authority, can save a life by removing a tumor. Your mother may have greater relational authority, but trust me, when it comes to brain surgery, you don't want mama laying a finger on you. Now, do you see what I mean? That some types of authority are more compelling than are others? Amen. On the other hand, because a coercive authority is one of the most powerful types of authority, it has the greatest capacity to cause harm. I have felt compelled in the spirit to take the time over these last two weeks to point that out since so many of us believe spiritual authority is you do it because I've got the position. That particular type of authority more than any other can hurt and bring damage to people's lives, lives and cause irreparable harm. So many people have been hurt in church. Amen. Amen. And because coercive authority is very powerful, more powerful than, say, persuasive authority, amen, more powerful than, say, legislated authority, I mean, a person can take your life even though, according to law, they're not supposed to do it. Because it is that powerful, in the wrong hands, it can be very, very dangerous. 
Amen. A dictator like Stalin, for example, took over 30 million lives of his own countrymen. Wars led by despots in the Congo over the last several years have killed five and a half million. Now, having said that, what I'm trying to point out to you and what I need you to grasp, stay with me just a few minutes because I'm going to rock your boat in just a minute, is there are different dimensions of authority. Oh, you've got to see this. Because most of us think, well, authority is authority is authority. No, it isn't. Uh-uh. There are different levels and dimensions throughout the kingdom of God in every aspect of the kingdom. Romans 1 and 7, there are different dimensions of faith. For in it, the righteous, righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's different faiths, different levels. There are different dimensions of glory, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Different dimensions of glory now. If you've been around the church and made any observations at all, you know there are different dimensions or levels of prayer. There are different levels of giving. There are different levels of revelation. There are different dimensions of worship. All you have to do is live for one year. And you will experience in the course of that year different dimensions of worship if you are a God seeker. Amen. Amen. There are different levels of anointing. Amen. Being in the kingdom of God is an opportunity then for you to grow. It's not about getting saved and just waiting till you die or the rapture to take place. It's about moving through these different dimensions to fulfill the destiny that God assigned you in the beginning. Now, if I'm the enemy and I can talk you into staying in kindergarten, am I talking to anybody right now? There are even different levels of suffering according to the Bible. Some suffer personally, but others have learned to turn their sufferings into the sufferings of Christ. Mm. Amen. And just as there are different dimensions of faith and glory and prayer and anointing and revelation and worship, there are also different dimensions of authority. Amen. Not only types of authority, but dimensions of authority. And so these dimensions are often progressive. That is, you don't start out at level three like anything else in life. You start out usually at the first level. Amen. I want to give you today 12 different kinds of spiritual authority, and then I'm going to get back to this. The scriptural foundation for the fact that, the, that there are so many dimensions in the kingdom, I'm taking the time to walk this out. Turn to somebody and say, walk it out, walk it out, you know. Amen. When you become a child of God, as Paul explains in Galatians, it makes us heirs, but it doesn't mean we're mature enough yet to be given the authority to start writing checks on the checkbook on the family bank account. John 14 and 2, as I've stressed so many times, says my father's house are, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? The Greek word that is translated mansion that we see in King James, that is here translated in the NIV rooms, literally means places to stay. Here's what you got to get now. You can stay at one level if you want to. 
There are places you can stay. You can prop your feet up and say, I'm going no further. But if you're smart, when you get to level number one, you already are looking around for the door to level number two. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Greek word for whatever there is very, very interesting because it means if or in case. Let me read it that way. I will give you the keys of the kingdom if you bind on earth or in case you bind on earth. Notice the plural keys here. Does this literally mean if or in case you have the keys, you can bind things at one level? I just want to provoke your thinking and ask you to think about it. Keys. Why do you need keys? Plural. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus said, I am the door. We're not talking about getting in the kingdom now. There's only one door in the kingdom, not many. Oh, I need a better response from you than that. I realize what I'm talking about right now is challenging some of our traditions. Because we were taught keys, you know. You get in the kingdom through the keys. No, you get in the kingdom through one door. And his name is Jesus Christ. But what level you get in determines on what keys you get then. What word do you have that opens up other dimensions to you? What level you move to in prayer, what level of worship, what level of anointing, even what level of giving is going to be determined by what key you possess. So let me quickly give you 12 dimensions of spiritual authority. Amen. And I'm going to do this quickly today because I want to come back of the next couple of weeks and flesh these out. But I'll just throw them out right now. But I can't do you the dis disservice of just mentioning them and not taking the time to talk about these a little bit more fully later. So let me just throw them out. Amen. And again, you say, why do you want us to understand all this? I'm perfectly happy just going to church. I'll tell you why. Because if you get master one of these, you're going to be blessed and you will begin to experience elevation. But you get two or three keys in your pocket. And folk are going to stop whenever you come by and watch you and say, man, I wish I was walking in what that sister's walking in. And if a church masters all 12, we're going to find ourselves writing Acts chapter 29 in Houston, Texas. Amen. The first dimension of spiritual authority is authority over self. That includes one's emotions, whoa, thoughts, oh my God, you didn't say that. You mean I've got to master not only my emotions, but my thoughts, as well as your flesh. And the problem the Pharisees had, are you ready, is they thought all they had to master was the flesh. But it never changed their emotions and their thoughts. And when Paul began to preach to New Testament believers, he was in essence saying, don't be like the Pharisees you've seen in the religious world. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Nobody had this flesh thing down any better than the Pharisees did. I, I wish I could get a good amen around here. You've never seen the saint that could live as good as a Pharisee could live. But boy, if you were to just kind of tilt the top of their skull and peer in, the stuff they were thinking, and look at their hearts, oh my Lord. You don't know anybody that's run by their emotions, do you? I certainly wouldn't be talking to anybody at CT, not in Houston, Texas at 7.30 on a Sunday morning that lets their lives be run by their emotions. God forbid, of course not. A member of CT do that? Heaven forbid. Angels would bow and fall down and turn their faces away in shame. Because we don't have anybody here that lets their lives be run by emotion. Do we? Or do we? Galatians 5 and 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the biblical term flesh did not just mean this stuff right here. It meant your emotions and your thoughts as well. And that's the part that we as believers need to come to understand. And here is why I stress this as being number one. You don't get to have authority over other things till you learn how to have authority over you. When you exercise authority over other dimensions, but you haven't yet mastered authority over yourself, it inevitably leads to problems and conflicts and the abuse of spiritual authority. And it is at that dimension, watch it. <laughs> Y'all forgive me, I'm really a nice guy usually most of the time. I am. I mean, I, I like to get out and dance with my wife on Friday night. You know, like, not, don't, I don't do the clubbing thing. We just did that church thing, you know. And I mean, I'm a good guy. I've got grandkids I love to spend time with. And so I get up here and I sound like an old grouchy bear. <laughs> you know, somebody, I was in a conference with another apostle not long ago, and someone said, y'all sound like two bears growling at each other. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. I, I, I don't mean to be an old grouchy bear up here, but I just want to tell you something, that it's whenever you try to exercise authority over others, but you haven't exercised it over you, that you get into coercive authority, and that's where churches get off track, and leaders find themselves in trouble. Mm. Amen. Number two, authority within a family structure. Genesis 18 and 19. For I know him, God said of Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Mm. You see, Abraham has been given an incredible promise. He first now has to bring himself into a, under authority and have authority over himself. But before he ever gets to where God is leading him, he's then got to exercise authority over his family. 
Now, a holy hush is probably going to descend in this room right about right now. Amen. But I want you to notice the way the scripture says this, that the Lord, put that verse back up there, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he spoke of him. Why is Abraham needing to exercise authority at home? That the Lord can then bring, are you telling me that the fulfillment of the promise doesn't come just because you've mastered flesh? No, it doesn't. And that's where many believers mess up in their thinking. They think, I go to church every Sunday. I tithe. I give my offering. I'm faithful. Why am I not being elevated? Because elevation doesn't occur just at the first level of spiritual authority. Well, come on. Somebody help me out right now. It doesn't even come at the second. You've got to exercise authority within your own home. I'm not trying to be unkind here, but when you got a nine-year-old child says, I don't want to go to church, and you're okay, I don't want to offend him, you know. Train up a child in the way he should go. He don't want to go to school, you sure send him on Sunday morning. I mean, on Monday morning, you know what I'm talking about? We have, we have somehow in this permissive hour that we live in abrogated our responsibility to demonstrate authority with love. That's the key, with love. With love. Say, with love in the home. Amen. Moving on, the third level of authority is authority over secular affairs. This was where Abraham was headed. God is raising up those with kingly anointings. Proverbs 11, 10 through 11, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Mm. When you get leadership that doesn't know how to control itself and doesn't have control in its own family structure, in its own house, the next thing you know, when these people are trying to exercise authority over secular affairs, they don't have it. Amen. And God is trying to raise up a kingly and a godly generation. This is why the children of this church matter so much to us. Our children and our young people are our greatest asset. I love you. If you're an adult, I love you. But hear what I'm saying. I'm not just after you. We're after your kids. Because the kids of this church are going to take CT to a level we have not been able to take it to by ourselves. You saw the Andrews and, and the Tylers and uh, the Genois and the others that, that you see regularly on the platform and, 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 and all of the rest of our youth ministry. They're the ones that are going to kick this thing into the stratosphere someday. And you and I need to be making sure we're guiding them in the right direction here. Come on, somebody help me out. I'm preaching better. Not just the Andrews. You hear what I'm talking about. The Kalas and all of the rest of them that are serving so faithfully. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit on the sideline. We're going to go, yeah, yeah. Yo, we're going to cheer them on. And we're going to say, go for it. We're not going to get jealous and say, who do you think? Ah. I want them to walk in a greater anointing than any of us walk in. Amen. Amen. You can't drive into your future doing like this. I've told you. 
you and I will someday be a part of yesterday's generation. We're not going to live in yesterday. We're moving toward the future that God has established for this church in this city. Lord, I feel I'm just kind of I feel like one of those crazy kind. Amen. Job, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel are all examples of people that had secular authority. We need some of that in the church. I'm tired of hearing people complain about the government. Government's not doing right. Government. Well, why don't you raise up your children, send them to get a, a, a legal degree or political degree or a science degree or some kind, and why don't you let them get in politics? You see what I'm saying? We, we've turned over everything to the world. Academy Awards are going to be tonight. I will be on an airplane. I do not want to watch Academy Awards. I don't mean to offend anybody. I know we have folk that are crazy about it. I'm not interested in it. First of all, I've learned if the critics don't like it, it's a good movie. Have y'all lived long enough to figure that out? And if the critics like it, don't bother to waste your money to go see it. Save your 15 bucks. Amen. We need some godly people out there. Taking over in the secular dimension, the arts, education, government, other areas and arenas. We need a authority in secular affairs, but you will never have it until you gain authority over yourself. And you won't have it until then you gain authority over your own family. Number four, authority within a ministry structure. Huh. Jesus demonstrated this when he platted that whip and drove the money changers out of the temple. Why is it that religious systems have become so secular in the way they're run? It's no longer what does a word from God say. It's who can politicize an issue, who can politic and get the most votes. And what we see in religious systems, I'm not knocking anybody. Amen. Please understand me. What we see in religious systems is a replica of what's going on in the political system, folk are always asking me in these, these, these graduates that we're churning out in Africa and other places, uh, do, why don't we start some kind of a, a fellowship, you know, and get together and you be our head bishop. I say, nah. <laughs> Not interested. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Don't want it anymore. Got the scars to prove it. You know what I'm saying? Uh-uh. Why keep inventing worldly systems? We need godly systems. You hear what I'm saying? Number five, then there's authority over demonic systems. Here is where everybody wants to be. You don't get there till you get authority over yourself, over your family, over secular affairs, and then within the church. Oh, I'm preaching a lot better right now than some folk are responding. They were all amazed, so they questioned among themselves, Mark 1, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Why? Because he had authority over himself. He had authority within his family. He had authority over secular structures. And he had authority within the church that was not positional and therefore not coercive. Amen. 
You're never going to get a demon to listen to you if you can't get your own family to listen to you. That's... Somebody said, I didn't know there was any difference. You know, get demon family, is, those terms interchangeable. They shouldn't be. And some of y'all getting upset at me. That's okay. I'll stand at the door and you can, I will forgive you as you go out in the name of the And then there's authority over resources, level number six. Jesus demonstrated, demonstrated authority over resources. He sent two of his disciples to gather that coat that had never been ridden. Like I told you, that could have been somebody's Cadillac in, in our society, our culture. That's what it would have been the equivalent of. Did Jesus demonstrate authority over resources? Yeah, how about this? Peter uh, comes to him and says, we owe some taxes. Go cast a, a line into the sea and you're going to catch a fish and it's going to have a gold coin in his mouth. Ooh, oh, I love that. Because how did he know which fish was going to bite on that hook? Amen. And even then, how did he know where that fish had been? That fish had to go to a certain place where somebody had lost a coin, fishing, boat had sunk or something or other, had to swallow that coin and then go around looking for that hook and be at the right, oh, Lord. Do you know that a whole lot of, uh, of this about making money is being in the right place at the right time? Mm-hmm. Amen. I've known people that made lots of money that were no smarter than anybody else. We think that the more intelligent you are, the richer you're going to be. <laughs> Can I just be truthful with you? Some of the brokest folk I've ever met in my life teach economics in universities. And I've always wondered, how can you give what you don't even have? I am, thank you. I will. Thank you very much, though. Amen. You have to have authority over resources. Dem Jesus demonstrated this again. We want to jump right past all of the other and go immediately to authority within a ministry structure so I can get my mailing list, sell my CDs and DVDs, and authority over demons. This will look good on the DVD. Come out of him in Jesus' name. Yes, I'll come out right now. Uh -huh. And we want authority over resources. We want a style and profile. We want swagger. Amen. The next level is authority over seasons, a, a level number seven. Jesus was demonstrating authority over seasons after he demonstrated authority over resources when he cursed that fig tree. As I told you last week, it was not the time of figs. Let me tell you that real money does not come until you can make it, whether it's daylight or night, good times or bad. And I don't know about you, but the command that blessings are going to overtake me is not qualified. If the economy is good, these blessings shall overtake you. I'm a child of God, whether the, the Dow Jones is strong or not. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. 
And you're supposed to be blessed whether times are good. Tell somebody you were made for more than this. Would you do that? You were made to be more than just a subject or a slave to the circumstances. I've got to, I've got to finish here. I don't have time to expand on this. Let me just mention the other five. Authority over communities. You won't gain authority within a community or a region. And a community can be anything from an ethnic group to a geographical region. This is why some revivals break out in some areas and not in others. You will not gain authority over a geographical community or even an ethnicity within that community, which sometimes happens. And the reason I mentioned that, you go to Europe. The revival is not among the Anglos in Europe. It's among people that have been transplanted from the Caribbean and from Africa. That's where the breakthrough is at in Europe right now. Somebody broke through within a certain ethnicity and they're having revival and filling up stadiums. Now the hope is it will move from that community to the rest of Europe and they will have revival again. Tell somebody I believe it's coming in Jesus' name. But I watch that. I watch that because everybody's saying Europe is spiritually dead. Yet I see them filling up stadiums for all night Friday, Friday night prayer meetings. All night prayer meetings. Amen. They have authority over communities. And then there are authority number nine over regions. Jesus spoke of reaching Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Number ten is authority over disease. I want you to notice where this is coming from now. Because you won't get authority over disease until you have had the authority that I've talked about earlier. Now you say, how, what do you base that on? My observation primarily, and I realize my observations can be flawed, but allow me the right to have my own opinion. Because I've watched revival where there have been no demonstrations of the miraculous. There had to come breakthrough in a community and breakthrough in a region before there was a breakthrough in terms of the supernatural. Amen. And, 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 and you may argue that point and, and may find a way to, to, to feel like it should be expressed differently. But this is just my opinion. Give me the freedom to do that. I think that the church is moving toward a breakthrough in healing. That's what I think. But we want to leapfrog over all of this other, not have authority over self, not have authority over families, not have authority over secular affairs. We want to just show up and be the man of power that speaks and says, I command healing to come. Uh-uh, it doesn't come that way. you got to work your way into that. Tell somebody, work your way into it. There are different dimensions. Amen. And then, number 11, there are authority even over dimensions themselves. Watch this, because I'll have to flesh this out more. At every level you come to, whether it's self, whether it's family, whether it's secular affairs, whether it's resources, you will always face a Pharaoh at that level. And just because you have authority over self doesn't mean you now have authority within your family. Woo. And just because you have authority within your family doesn't mean you have authority in secular affairs. There will be an enemy that will show up the moment you start transitioning to another level. Tell somebody, when I get to the next level, oh, come on, say it, when I get to the next level, I'm not stopping there. Amen. I may have authority at this level, but when I get to the next one, I'm not stopping until I have authority at that level also. Amen. Amen. And finally, the highest demonstration, in my opinion, of spiritual authority is that of God, with God, 
when man has authority with God over nature. Whoa. There have been times in the church where the church has literally demonstrated authority, not just over self, not over family, not just over resources. I, I could plot all of this out and show this to you. Graph this, as it were, in the journey of the children of Israel out of Egypt. What did they gain authority over? First, they had to get authority over themselves. I will not, uh, I, I, will, I will not bring you out of Egypt until the blood has covered the doorpost of your house. Authority over self. The blood has to be applied to you. And what do you do? Bring your family in there with you. Mm. And who did they have authority with? Pharaoh, secular authority. Mm. Lord have mercy. Right on down to the point that they came to authority over nature. Moses could speak to a rock and water would gush out of it. Hmm. Elijah said, pour those bales of water on that altar. Where I come from, fire and water are not compatible. Not Louisiana. But he could call fire down from heaven that would consume water. Amen. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. When Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We perish. But he said, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? There is a place, I believe, where people can literally command elements of nature. Now, that may be a little far out there, but I can show you specific occasions in the Bible. Joshua said, sun, stand still. Mm. No, God didn't tell him to say that. He just said, sun, stand still. Are we going to move to a place as a church where we can impact our community? Or are we just going to tread water? Turn to somebody and say, I was made for more than just treading water. Stand with me across the building and come. The next couple of weeks, I will flesh this out. Right now, I've just thrown it out. And I realize you probably have questions, but give me two weeks to answer them. Come on. Amen. Why am I teaching this? Because I want to see us reach the point that we can speak to cancer and say, be healed. Cancer doesn't have to be a terminal illness in the church. Why should it be? Being broke shouldn't be the terminal condition that you experience for the rest of your life. Tell somebody, I'm going to get authority over that. Would you do that? I am. I'm getting authority over it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, the only green you have in your wallet is gangrene. It's, it's just so stuck together. You know, it's, it's rotting. But tell somebody, I'm not living that way anymore. Would you do it? Amen. I'm not going to live my life saying that if I can just get by till Jesus comes. I've seen so many. I talked to a, a believer just the other day. 
I said, how you doing? He said, Rich, I'm doing good. Just trying to hang on till the rapture. Ooh, fee-fi-fo-fum. That was a member of my own family. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about from back Louisiana. Now, I don't hardly ever talk to them. But I couldn't help it. It started in my ankles and worked its way. I, I, I tried to keep my mouth shut. You know, when the police say you have the right to remain silent, I had the right, but I didn't have the ability. I had to say something. I said, you were made for more than to just hang on till the rapture. Amen. With your hands raised, Father, I pray for these precious believers in 